Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Once again, welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We're so excited to see every single one of you here and thank you and I want you to know we don't take it lightly we don't take it for granted that you made a choice to be here not just at our church we're thankful you chose our church but that you just you made the choice to be somewhere where people are worshiping God where people are praying and expecting God to speak back where people are taking communion and celebrating the Lord's Supper the way Jesus asked us to do that, was to remember him and to look forward to his return, where people are looking into God's word and expecting to be changed because of that experience, where people are giving and investing in God's kingdom. This is not the only place that's happening, but it's one of those, and you got yourselves here this morning, and I want to say good job and thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. This last several weeks, we've been walking through all the themes of Advent and all the wonderful ways that we can look back and find confidence in right now because of what God has already done. We also, at Advent, originally, as we walked through this the last several weeks, it was originally more about looking forward and finding hope in Jesus' return because we can look back and also right now we can see him keeping the promises that he makes. This morning, Advent is done. All five candles are done. This is actually the fifth day of Christmas. Remember the 12th day of Christmas song? We don't really do a lot about that anymore, but today's act, so happy fifth day of Christmas. Five gold rings, five gold candles, something. Anyway, we're going to move on from that. But this is why we are still got these candles out for the next couple weeks. We're going to walk still just through a couple more huge ideas as we start this new year, walking through what it means that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, that he is God with us, that he is the only God there's ever been that actually shows up, literally and metaphorically. He literally showed up on this planet and lived a life, died, rose, and ascended. He actually physically showed up, and then he also shows up in so many different ways in our lives today. So we're celebrating him as we continue to do that. Last week, if you were here, we had everybody together for one great big service. That was an adventure. It was really fun. Had all the kids in here. It's really interactive. And we said this out loud a hundred times, but I'm going to say it one more time because it's important. God rarely does things the way that we expect. But some things that you can always expect is these things. Number one, he always teams up with people. Number two, he always keeps his promises. And because of all those things, we can trust him, we can obey him, we can share his love in the sense that we experience it and that we also share it, give it away to other people, invite them into his love and into his family. And also, we know all of these things because Jesus Christ proved that he is Lord. And first and foremost, the way that he proved that was not just his death, but his resurrection. Many people have died for us. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have freedom. We wouldn't have a lot of the things that we take for granted if it weren't for a lot of people who have died for us. But Jesus Christ is the only one who had the power to raise himself back to life. And he's the only one who has the power to renew us now. 
So just like the psalm writers did, they wrote their psalms hundreds of years before Jesus was born, but they were looking back, all the way back to creation and several other great miracles, and they were finding hope for right now. I, I invite you to do that this morning. We're going to read a couple verses together out loud as a prayer to God from Psalm 96. Let's say, say this out loud as a prayer to him. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We serve a real God, a living God. So this is my first challenge to you this morning. Live as if he did arrive, because he did. Would you, would you do me a favor? Would you look at the people right next to you for a second? Just kind of look them in the eye. A little awkward moment. I want you to say, I'm saying this to you. Okay, just say that to them. All right, now let's say this together. Live as if he did arrive because he did. I actually looked this up. It's 20 years ago that a movie came out called The Sixth Sense. Did anybody see this one? 20 years, that's crazy. Doesn't seem like that long. It's kind of a creepy movie. If you don't like creepy movies, I, I don't recommend it because it is creepy. But I'll tell you right now, the creepiest thing about it to me was not some of the weird special effects and stuff. I, I, I kind of always know in the back of my mind those are special effects. But this idea that in all scene after scene, and I'm not giving it away just in case in 20 years you never got around to seeing it and you still want to. But scene after scene, the character played by Bruce Willis, he, he's, he's there but nobody seems to notice that he's there. He's present, but everybody just goes on as if he's not. He's painfully lonely. He, he desperately wants to connect with the people he loves, but they don't acknowledge him in any way. This is exactly how a lot of us feel a lot of times as we go through life, and especially sometimes during the holidays. And I'd like to acknowledge that this morning. If that's how your holiday season has been, is more lonely and painful, and it, all the grief has boiled up, I, I want you to know you're not alone in that. I want to know that that's, you're not the only person who feels that way. But I also want to point out that this is how we make God feel a lot. And however we do that, however you do that, however I do that, we've got to repent this morning because he's always present he's always here with us but a lot of times we just carry on like he's not we just go along with life as if he's not right there next to us and that's not okay one of the great things in this story is he finally finds the kid who actually does listen to him and they start working together. And that is like God's dream for you and me. He wants us to listen, to acknowledge his presence and to start working with him. He always partners with people. He always does that. But again, let's go back to how Jesus felt. Jesus felt like an outsider. Jesus felt lonely. Jesus felt broken. Jesus felt rejected over and over and over again. Part of his experience, part of his plan was to experience all the things that we go through. The only thing he went, did not go through that we go through is sin. He never committed a sin, but he even faced the consequences of sin, just like we do. Because he faced the consequences of our 
sin. And the sin of those around him as he lived. But Jesus felt loneliness. Jesus, all the way through, he was born in a place that was designed for animals. Because nobody let him in where the people were. He was homeless his whole life. Jesus was lonely. He knew what it was like to feel like a fish out of water. Like he didn't 100% belong. Even in a world that he himself had created. He knew what it was like to be light and be rejected by darkness. I want to I give you just a little life hack here. Just in case you're experiencing loneliness today. I want you to remember something. Loneliness is not a bad thing in and of itself. Sometimes it's a healthy thing to feel lonely, to be alone sometimes. But it's really just a lot like hunger. Hunger is a reminder that we need to fuel our bodies to keep them going. And loneliness is just a good reminder that we were designed in the image of God, who is a trinity, who is relational at his very core. We were, we were designed to have a vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with other people. And without that, we are not experiencing life as we were designed to experience it. So one way or another, that hunger, that loneliness in you should drive you to break through whatever is between you and God and break down whatever's between you and other people. Do whatever it takes so that you can experience that. And I believe that only when we do both of those can we really understand and experience what Paul tells us to do in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. This is not a solo sport that he is describing here when he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. You can only do that if there's people around you to be considerate to. You follow me? Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See that vertical relationship? Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Jesus Christ modeled what it looked like to live life this way perfectly, just like he modeled everything else perfectly. But he had this constant connection to God and this constant, at least attempted connection with all the people around him. And when we embrace that lifestyle, when we embrace that perspective on life, when we live this way, then we open ourselves up to experiencing the peace that passes understanding to experiencing the joy and the peace and the love that only God himself can give. This morning we're going to walk back through Jesus' life uh, together. We're going to kind of race through this. As always, my dream and my prayer is that you go back through all of these scriptures that I just kind of referenced and even the ones we put up on the screen and you walk through that with God, just you and him. In any version you like, um, I hope that you can do that. So I'm going to say some of these scriptures out loud. They're in the bulletin handout. Um, if you're listening online, wherever you are, uh, you will hear that. Uh, it's also attached. But here we go. First, we see in Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus' birth and his childhood. We spent a lot of time on his birth. We're only going to barely mention his childhood this morning. But those are in there for a reason. 
One of the reasons that I think we have at least a little bit of the story is because of these two people, Joseph and Mary. Those of you who have ever been a parent or babysat or been a youth minister or a Sunday school teacher or in any way at all in responsible for somebody's kids, your own kids. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? That there's a lot of joy, a lot of peace, fulfillment, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, very big looming sense of responsibility behind it all. You with me? There's a lot of that. Can you imagine being the stepdad of the son of God? Can you imagine what it was like for them the day that Jesus got lost and it took them several days to find him? These poor people. That was rough. But you know what? I, I, I want to go back through also. There's one scripture that somehow I didn't get into the handout. And I want, I want you to say it out loud with me. Isaiah 53. Let's say that. Isaiah 53. Just say the chapter. I want you to go back and read it later. I messed up. Isaiah 53. Good. I hope you remember that. We're going to read several passages from that. Because a lot of this stuff that Jesus experienced, even the hardest stuff, was predicted long before he was ever born. Isaiah said, Who has believed our message and to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence. Notice he's still in the Lord's presence while all this is happening. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. If you've ever walked through life wishing you were more attractive or thinking that if God really loved you, he would make you a more attractive person. And then you would have love and joy and peace and all the things you crave. I want you to know that Jesus experienced that too. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus went through a lot, even just as he was growing up, as he was living this life for us. We're going to keep going. In Luke chapter 3 and 4, you see Jesus' baptism and his, the beginning of his ministry. And in these stories, as well as many others, you, you can constantly see several things happening. One is, he's constantly trying deliberately to fulfill the law and the prophets. He's constantly revealing not only God's expectations, God's rules, God's moral boundaries, but he's also, he's also trying to reveal God's heart. Jesus is all about integrity. He is all about genuinely doing everything he does because that's really who he is. And yet you see this deliberate, deliberate action on his part. You see him constantly. His baptism is a great example where he says, it's important that we do this to fulfill all righteousness. We've got to do this. He was constantly on purpose setting a good example. This again is something that we are called to do and he set a perfect example for us in this. He was consciously always revealing the way, the truth, and the life. And all of that is him, but he did it on purpose. Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 6 says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. 
He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, and yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. In Luke chapter 23, we see Jesus' death and burial. It's the darkest part of his life. And I, I want, again, to notice as we're looking back and finding hope, I know this seems like the extremely long way around, but I want you to understand what was happening here. Not only is Jesus doing the sacrificial things, the high priest things, all the things that we've talked about even recently, even last Tuesday night, not only is he doing all this, he's doing it in such a deliberate way that he's even quoting messianic prophecy from the cross. He's making sure his mom is going to be taken care of from the cross. At every single moment, he is living with intention. He is living with purpose. He is living in light of who he really is and what he needs to get done and what other people need around him. This vertical and horizontal relationships is constantly, constantly how he is operating. I also want you to notice that when his disciples buried him they really thought this was the end of the story maybe you've heard that before i want you to let it sink in just a little bit this morning jesus has warned them over and over he told them exactly what would happen he'd said he's going to rise again on the third day several different times he'd said this over and over and yet all that went out the window because dead people don't come back to life Everybody knows this. And as they buried him, they really thought this was the end of the story, despite everything that he said. Now, I want you to know this morning that if you are feeling like that about anything at all in your life, that that is a normal thing. It's not okay for you to stay there very long. You don't have to stay there very long. The power of Jesus' resurrection frees you from having to stay there very long. But if you feel that way right now, like this is the end of my story, I don't think God has the power. Even God doesn't have the power to get me through this one. You're not alone. You're not the first person who's felt like that. Jesus' parents felt like that. Sometimes Jesus himself felt like that. Obviously, his disciples and all of his followers who were burying him and thinking it was the end of the story, they were definitely feeling like that. That doesn't make it true. But your feelings are real. And Jesus can meet you there. Isaiah predicted this as well. Isaiah 53 verses 7 to 9 says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion, sorry, for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. If that's where you are, I want you to know again that God is still present. All of this stuff was even predicted in Jesus. And if God was ever present with anyone, it was with his own son. But listen, that's not the end of the story. There's a yes, that, and then there's a but, then. And because of the resurrection, there's a but, then for every single one of us. 
Every single one of you this morning, no matter how dark and deep it seems, I promise you that there's a but then that's better than you can imagine. I believe that with all my heart. Because there is an empty tomb. In Luke 24, in Acts 1, 1 through 11, we see Jesus come back to life, appear to hundreds of people and speak a few more truths and actually send his people out into the world to spread this truth, this joy, this peace, this love. I know it's really hard to believe. Maybe some of you this morning are, are, are kind of struggling with believing. How could there be a virgin birth? I don't care if it's in the Bible. How in the world? How could somebody come back from the dead? You know what? You're not alone in that either. Lots of people struggle with that. I've struggled with that. It's crazy. It's weird. But I can tell you this. If there's anything, anything in history that's more documented, that makes more sense, no matter how crazy it seems... It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing else explains how these people who had totally given up just a couple days later with no money, no reward, no hope of fame, no hope of anything except probably getting killed for it. All of them unanimously turn around and spent the rest of their lives living the life, following the way, and proclaiming the truth to be Jesus Christ the risen Lord. They experienced it. They lived it. They knew it. There was no doubt in their minds at all. This was real. And they started remembering the things he'd said back. They started remembering the things that how he'd predicted it. They started realizing that some of the things he'd been doing were deliberate, deliberate acts trying to make sure people noticed that he was fulfilling prophecy from the Old Testament. They started remembering that in John 14 and 15 that he had explained that he would not only have to go away but also that he would send his Holy Spirit, what it would be like for them to be connected to him like branches engrafted into a vine bearing fruit from the power and the, the, that flowed through him and then out through us. They started remembering all that together and it started to make a lot more sense on the other side. And they started living as if he really was with them. They started abiding in him because he actually really was there. I need you to look at the people right next to you one more time and say, I'm talking to you again. Say this with me. Live as if he is with us because he is. One more time. Live as if he is with us because he is. You've probably heard this idea before. I've seen it in skits. I've heard a lot of places. I didn't make it up, but it's worth revisiting. Just imagine that Jesus was physically with you this morning. Jesus is the one that's sitting right next to you on the pew. Physically formed. There's no way you can get around it. Every sense you have is picking up on he's physically there. Is there something you would change? If he followed you home today, if he walked with you this whole next week, are there things that you normally do that you would not do because Jesus was physically right there? Are there words you would not use that you normally use and justify that you would not use because Jesus was right there? Are there things that you would do that maybe you never get around to doing, but you know you should and you wish you would, but you actually get around to it because Jesus is right there? That's probably all of us. I'd like to just remind you one more time this morning. Jesus is right there. And not only is he right there, his grace is real. 
He sees all that stuff you've been doing. He sees all that stuff you've been not doing. And he still loves you. He's still right there. He hasn't given up on you. He's still right with you. Romans 2, 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Listen to how it gets even better. Romans 8. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Listen. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. First Corinthians, Paul writes, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. He may not be physically right here next to us, but he's with you. He actually lives within you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your fears. He knows all the stuff that's hard, all the stuff that's easy, all the stuff that's fun, all the stuff that's miserable. He knows what you do, what you don't do. I'm not talking about Santa Claus nonsense here. I'm talking about Jesus Christ really knows this stuff. And he loves you. And he's right there. And he's empowering you to get through even your darkest moments. He is promising you that there is going to be a but then on the other side of whatever you're experiencing right now. If you just keep trusting in him. If you keep digging deeper into your vertical relationship with God. And your horizontal relationships with the people around you. If you keep trying. If you keep going. You are going to experience a resurrection that you can't imagine. One more time. Look at the people next to you. Say, pay attention. And say this with me. Live as if he is returning because he will. One more time. Live as if he is returning because he will. This is why we take communion every Sunday. Jesus said to do that in remembrance of him every time we got together so that we remember what he had done and remember that he is coming again. This is why we do Advent. We don't always do that every year, but we did this this year and made a really big deal of it. It's because we look back and we look forward and we figure out what we need to do right now. This is why we do almost everything we do as Christians it's because we have this hope that he is coming soon. And brothers and sisters, I believe it's going to be really soon. Really soon. Romans 13, 11 to 14 says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Once again, like Jesus' own example, what we're seeing there is not to fake it, really be who he's made us to be, but we live with a deliberate 
action, an intentional sense of every moment counts. We are consciously, on purpose, setting a good example, shining a light. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Next week, we're actually going to focus on his return. If you'd like to, I, I would love to see you look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Just walk through that like a couple times this week in advance. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul is talking about all these things and kind of giving us some advice about that. But it's one of the most clear and one of the most beautiful and one of the most hope-inspiring passages that we have that tells us what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. Another passage I really would recommend is Revelation chapters 21 and 22. All these are written down, by the way, in your handouts. But if you're also writing them down or underlining those, I would love to see you walk through that. Revelation 21 and 22 describes the end of the world as we know it. And also how we're going to feel fine. It's a good passage. Thank you for everybody who actually recognized that. That was, that was obscure, but there it was. But this morning, as we wrap up, this is my challenge to you. It's simple, it's clear, but this is what I believe God is asking us all to do this morning. I simply ask that you make the change that you thought about a few minutes ago when I said, what would change if Jesus was physically right there next to you? What would change? Make that change start this morning. For some of you, that might mean you're finally going to get around to actually giving your life to Jesus. For some of you, that might mean repenting of something very specific or, or giving your life to do something very specific. Or I, I don't know. As always, we're offering prayer. And the prayer is not necessarily about what we're talking about. But if you have something you want to pray about, a decision, you're, there are going to be people that are standing around here that are willing to pray with you and walk you through that. Or if you just want prayer for anything, I invite you to do that. But whatever it's going to take for you to do what you would do if Jesus was physically right beside you today and this whole next week. Make that choice this morning. And let's all make that choice together as we stand and sing together. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.